0: Typical Nate Noodlings recorded on the 12th of August, 2020. This is my corner of the internet where I talk about the fun things that tickle my nerdy nerve endings. I'm Nate, a Linux and vintage tech enthusiast with an almost unhealthy obsession with the OpenSUSE project. 19 is an interesting number. Another prime number which makes it special. I I think. I think prime numbers are special. Maybe. I know when I turned 19, looking back, I thought it to be an odd age. the end of your teenage years... You're into your second year as an adult, and it's at the beginning of college for me. I think it was also the age that I got my first credit card. You know, if I could go back in time, I think I would tell me to uh, not get that Capital One card with the $200 limit. It was a bad idea. So what significance does 19 have? I don't really know. Coming up, thoughts on my BIOS updates to my Dell Latitude E6440. Anti-micro, used to map your keyboard and mouse controls to a gamepad. My AMD server, workstation, desktop CPU downgrade. OBS NDI plugin, a Biddle follow up, my OpenSUSE corner, and a computer history retrospective on fifth generation computers from 1984. Chocolate milk is something I gave up many years ago. What does it have to do with technology? The human body is an interesting piece of technology. I read about the benefits of chocolate milk in numerous fitness-related journals as a great post-workout treat. I largely dismissed it, saying homogenized milk is no good. and moved on to study other areas of health and fitness. As circumstances would have it, a gallon of 1% fat chocolate milk had made its way into my home. I had some, and I found it to be one of the most delicious treats I had in a while. The USDA notes... That apart from calcium, one cup of chocolate milk has 149 calories and offers seven hundred and ninety-nine grams of protein, two point five grams of fat, twenty-four grams of carbs, of which twenty-two point zero one grams are from sugar, four hundred twenty milligrams of potassium, one hundred and thirty milligrams of sodium, four hundred ninety-nine milligrams of vitamin A, and one hundred one milligrams of vitamin D, and I'll put a link on that in the show notes. So, you know, when drinking it somewhat regularly, not not every day. I feel pretty great, and I'm not snacking on garbage as much, and and, and maybe these uh, fitness journalists and researchers know a thing or two about what works. I can also say that after having introduced this periodic chocolate milk treat, it has had a positive effect on my body fat percentage, for what it's worth. I did a BIOS update on my Dell Latitude E6440. Now I was expecting this to be a total pain in the backside to do. I have a, a D630 that when I did the BIOS upgrades, I had to build like a special CD with free DOS on it and the EXE and I'd run it in DOS and you know knock on wood, never, nothing ever actually broke. Now this, this was far, far less painful than I was ever expecting. Quite literally, you go to Dell's site, put in your service tag, express tag, whatever, or you can search by the model number. You download the BIOS, which is an EXE, You don't have to boot into Windows. All you have to do is reboot the machine, hit F12, and go into the BIOS flash update tool. You have the BIOS flash update on a USB drive. You navigate to the USB drive, you select it, and it does the update process for you. That was it, nothing else, and the BIOS update was done. Really quite simple. I put a little step-by-step on how to do that. It does work on the Dell Latitude E6440, and I'm now on the latest BIOS update, which is sometime in 2019. Do I notice any change in performance or how it operates? Not a bit, which is why most people don't think about their BIOS versions. This update did have some urgency to it, there were some security holes that had to be plugged, and now they're plugged. I feel so much better about not neglecting my sysadmin duties. I installed a game called Pokemon Insurgents on Lutris, or using Lutris, and when trying to play it, uh, there was no way to use a gamepad. And rather than try and fight things, you know, get some sort of a hacky workaround, I stumbled upon this application called Anti-Micro. Now, I think maybe I heard it on a podcast. I think it might have been the Ubuntu podcast. I'm I'm not 100% sure. I probably could go back and listen or I could do some searching. But because I have a slight bit of laziness, I'm just going to attribute it to them now and move on. So, Antimicro allows you to map keyboard and mouse controls to the gamepad, and it's in the official repository on OpenSUSE for both Leap and Tumbleweed. It's easy to install. You can just find the package on uh, software.opensuse.org, or you can go into the terminal, type sudo zipper install Antimicro, and I'm sure it works in other distributions too. I guarantee it works on Ubuntu. So, I was able to very easily map all the controls for Pokemon Insurgents, and then I played a little bit. Not that I'm into Pokemon, because I'm not, at least not that I'll admit to, but my oldest was watching some YouTube video about this Pokemon insurgents. So I thought I would search for it, found it, installed it, and configured Antimicro to be able to use it. It's really straightforward to do so. I basically just got a list, took some screenshots, get a list of all the different commands you have to do. I connected my Wii U Pro Controller to the computer, and then I mapped the different keys to the different controls that are on the key map now the only one thing that i did have that was kind of an issue was what was labeled a was actually b and what was labeled b was actually a and what was labeled x is actually y and y actually x not sure why it was turned around i tried to remap that and fix that but that didn't do anything for me and also on the side if you want to then control your mouse movements with the controller and use it like a set top box that is also quite possible and works very well i also have set that up in steam But uh, this is, you know, a little bit less resource intensive than starting up Steam. But, you know, hey, whatever works for you. Ultimately, this is a great application. It's written in Qt or Qt, however you want to pronounce it. It looks good. The theme integrates nicely and it just looks like a natural part of the desktop environment and has more functionality than I know what to do with at this point. So what I like, configuration is splendidly simple to set up, very intuitive and does what you would expect. I appreciate how easy it is to set up and get going with it. The on-screen information about what it is that you're doing is very appreciated. Rather than digging through help or readme files, the important information presents itself right there. What I'm not such a fan of is the little paper cut of the reversal of some of the buttons. It's unfortunate, but it's not a deal breaker. And it's only important if you actually read the buttons and not go by the, the action flash when you when you push the button. The mouse control isn't exactly what I was hoping for. The movement of the cursor didn't exactly have the variable movement I was expecting. But there's so many options to of tweaking it that... Perhaps I just need to take a little bit more time and figure out how to make a more gradient movement. So it's not really a knock on the application as the defaults are probably best for most users. I would say it's a knock on me for not being satisfied with with what is likely a sane default. Unfortunately, I had to downgrade the CPU in my AMD server workstation desktop. It uh, started locking up and at first very infrequently and then somewhat more frequently to a point when the system wasn't worth having on at all. I did some memory tests and they would fail and always at the same point no matter the stick no matter where I put it in the slots. So I did a BIOS update as recommended by eFriend Adam Grubbs and I was left with a message that said the motherboard thermal design doesn't support CPU over 200 watts. System will auto shut down after 5 seconds to protect your main board. So I was kind of worried that maybe I fried something or at least maybe damaged something or, or whatnot. But I took a chance and I purchased a lower powered AM3 CPU the uh, FX8300. The computer seems to work fine, I haven't had any issues since the lesser CPU was installed. Everything just seems to work, albeit with just a little less speed, but, you know, it it doesn't lock up on me, so that's good, you know, tortoise in the hair, right? So I don't know exactly what the mode of failure was, I don't think the CPU is overheating, as I didn't really push it for any significant time, so I'm just glad to have the system running again properly, and now I'm thinking I want to build a Ryzen system. It's somewhere out there on the horizon. I don't know when, but it's something that I'm going to do eventually. I set up OBS to use the NDI plugin on OpenSUSE. It's a fairly easy way to send video signal. I assume other applications could take advantage of it besides OBS. In a nutshell, you can take your main or preview output from one OBS instance and send it across the network to another OBS machine. My reason for doing this was I have two machines that are essentially a little bit long in the tooth. My AMD server is an AM3 system, and I've had to downgrade a little bit. And then my Dell Latitude E6440, which has been my primary system, is also getting a little bit long in the tooth, and so certain things like trying to play a game and encode your video and send it to YouTube is just a little bit too much for one system to handle. So I decided to pursue setting up OBS with NDI on OpenSUSE. And the the challenge really was that there isn't an RPM available. Probably not the best solution, but I, I installed an application called Alien, which allows me to take that Alien Dead package and convert it into an RPM. And Then I installed the library, and Bob's your uncle, it works, and I can use the NDI plugin. And what is amazing to me is how low latency, almost undetectable, that it is. I could actually play a game on one computer and view it on OBS on a different computer on the network, and I couldn't actually perceive latency. And I was pretty impressed by that. Now, it does send audio and video signal, of course, just if it didn't, that'd be kind of weird. And it's synchronized, it doesn't lag, it doesn't get all jittery, uh, although I do have a gigabit you know, ethernet in the house, so that probably helps. What was really the, the cherry on the cake of this is the NDI plugin is developed by NewTek, and NewTek were the makers of the video toaster that was very popular on the, the big box line of Amiga computers in the 1990s. So in a way, I feel like I have a little bit of that incredible video toaster tech on my OpenSUSE machine. A link to how this was accomplished is in the show notes. For my Biddle follow-up, the question was asked, what have you done that would cause you to lose your Linux card? And I had to think a lot about this, like what have I done, or what do I do that could potentially get my Linux card, you know, in quotation marks, swiped. Now what I said on the show was, uh, playing Pokemon Go on Android with my kids. Where I think that that would take away my Linux card is that you know I'm I'm very privacy focused, and I realize that Pokemon Go is a great surveillance tool, and I'm basically just giving up information on where I am and my speed of movement, where I go, and, and and so forth, and and really it could it could potentially tell somebody that I am not home, and now is a good time to you know rob me blind. I mean I have no Windows machines in my house, I have no Macintosh machine. Well that's not true, I have one Macintosh, but it's dead. Macintosh Classic. I have also an an iMac G5, which is also dead because, you know, Apple. But really nothing else. Uh, I've got vintage stuff. I don't think that would take away my Linux card. My Commodore 64, my Amigas. But I don't see anything else really that I have that would really take away my Linux card. Perhaps, you know, I do run some closed-source software. I do run Microsoft Teams, but, you know, Microsoft hearts Linux. I do use Zoom, but, you know, what else are you going to use? it's running on linux so that's fine. I use Fusion 360 which isn't really meant for linux but I can get it to work on linux. I play proprietary games from the 90s, DOS games from time to time. Mm, I don't know. I think that I'm uh I think that I'm I'm pretty linuxy. If it's not running linux, I I really don't have a desire to use it outside of vintage stuff. There are a lot of other interesting answers and responses to that. There are things like I use snaps and flatpak and that could take my away my card and I think those are just silly. You know, people who don't like snaps. I mean that's I think that's just silly. Flat packs are great, snaps are great, app images are great. They all have their purpose, they all have their place. I use those. I, I have promoted all of them. Probably flat pack the least. Perhaps flat pack seems a bit more ropey at times. I don't know. I mean I did run a uh, a vice, like a Commodore sixty four emulator, flat pack. The graphic user interface elements, the GTK elements were all flickery and flashy and and made for kind of a miserable experience. I should try the snap. I bet it'll work. <laughs> I highly recommend you should check out Biddle Big Data Linux. Uh, a link to that particular show is in the show notes. For my OpenSUSE corner, there's a new prototype build that brings Leap and Slee closer together, and it will be available soon for you and me. The release manager for OpenSUSE Leap, uh, Lubos Cockman, has updated OpenSUSE's development community on efforts to bring the codes of Leap and SUSE Linux Enterprise closer together. In an email to the OpenSUSE factory mailing list, Kachman explained that the prototype project OpenSUSE Jump should become available for early testing soon and that contributions to the project could become available in the next five weeks. Now this is very cool because it's making the development process of SLE more transparent and there will be a lot more reusability in the code as well. So, what's exciting about this is less duplication of effort and ultimately will make for a better OpenSUSE leap and consequently Tumbleweed experience. For my Tumbleweed roundup, snapshot 2002.08.05 had a stable score of 99. Mozilla Thunderbird, yes, Mozilla Thunderbird, was updated to 68.11. Several CVEs were addressed. Transactional updates was updated 2.23. And some of the sub packages like uh, update zip config and so forth. They're just uh, improving things, adding features. Snapshot 2020 had a stable score of 99. MariaDB, SystemD, Vert Manager, and Zen all had updates. 2020 has a pending stable of 99. URL scan has been updated to 0.9.5. 2020 10 has a pending moderate score of 84. Epiphany, yes, Epiphany, still being used, who knew? Has been updated. GCC 10 updated. No Minds, because you got to play Minds, right, on Gnome. Kernel Source has been updated to 5.8.0. Squid and Zipper Lifecycle Plugin have also been updated. A link to where I get the reviews is in the show notes below. For my computer history retrospective, I watched Computer Chronicles on 5th Generation Computers from 1984. It was a talk on artificial intelligence and heuristic learning. Uh, differential diagnostics of diseases were being explored using computers. Uh, expert systems They kept throwing it on the idea of expert systems where the system becomes like an expert and you can actually Ask it for information Not just search for information, but it would actually give you intelligent results you know, much like you know, we have in in the uh, web searches today And one application that was highlighted was a drilling advisor an application that allows a user in like a deep well drilling operation to troubleshoot and ultimately give advice on methods of correcting a fault the key feature that they really honed in on was, after inputting different information and then where it got stuck, the uh, questions would be asked of the user by the expert system. And if you didn't understand why it was asking the question, you could literally ask why, and they would give an explanation, so it wasn't just a black box. The big concern of this time was was the US-Japanese race for uh, this fifth generation of computers that was being called, and the, the Japanese were doing a much better job in developing artificial intelligence. So it was very interesting to see. The development of computers. These are obviously not desktop computers, these are large, expensive, mainframe type computers big iron as it were and it was very interesting to see the discussion of the future of co- using computers and really and, and I think we're kind of living in that now between the, the algorithms that that hone in your search results the algorithms that tell you what you should watch next on YouTube and so forth we're, we're kinda of living there now and it's, it's really pretty exciting although in some ways kind of scary as well which makes being careful about what you put on the internet quite important and being conscientious of your privacy This great endeavor from the 80s has resulted in new dangers today, which is interesting. I wonder what generation of computers we are in today. It was the fifth generation in 1984, so when was the sixth, seventh, and so on. I suppose I could look it up. Take some time to have fun. Good, clean, wholesome fun. Go for a walk, enjoy the weather on any day that it's possible to enjoy the weather. Take some time to cherish each moment, whether it is good or bad, Find the positives in the situation and make it a point to say thank you as often as possible. As I previously stated, thanks again for listening to this noodling of my nerdy nonsense. If you have any corrections or if you want to call out something that maybe I, I didn't get right or just any comments, feel free to send me an email to heybuddy at cubiclenate.com Send me a telegram message. You can post on the Twitters or oh or wherever. I'm also on the Mastodon too. For more of my nonsense, Visit cubiclenate.com. Links to my regular written blatherings, podcasts, and YouTube channel can be found there. Until next time, see yous.